This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, fall is here, football season is here. Sam Darnold is here. NFL rookies are here. Um, this is a this is a happy time, man. And I don't know if you can relate to this as a dad and just a working person, but uh, I don't feel like I have enough hours in the day to satisfy my thirst for all things football. So uh, I find myself just like uh, flipping over to like the NFL channel when my w- like when my wife's out of the room for a couple minutes, and I don't I know I won't have to conversate. And uh, like I just get I get bits and pieces, but I don't get to go as like deep dive into all this as I want to, which is why uh, this program is fun and why I'm excited about the next 45 minutes or so, because it gives us like some deep football time. But uh, can you relate to that or do you feel like satisfied in your in your level of, you know, football consumption at this point? Oh, no, definitely not satisfied. And especially because I, I have a clear recall of a time in life when. You know, I could have rattled off like my top 125 players for fantasy in, you know, oh, yeah. with with oh, zero yeah. mistakes. I could have, you know, it just yeah, I could have ranked your top 10 rookie of the year prospect. Now like I I can't remember who the top 10 in the draft were. And that Dude, was seriously. we did a whole podcast reviewing, <clears throat> you know, reviewing the draft and we did something leading up to it and like this is the thing we care about and I don't know. I just I don't have the mental bandwidth to give it the same deep dive. So no, I'm not satisfied with myself. Mm-hmm. Or with the hours in the day that I can devote to something as important as football. I know, man. So we're not as we're not as sharp on this as we used to be. So we'll have to re- kind of rely on our veteran caginess this year in fantasy. So um, you and I, as we discussed off the air, we're both coming out of fantasy retirements, as it were. Uh, I've been retired for about a decade. So like a decade ago, I walked away from fantasy football. I was just like, I'm too competitive. This is too much. It, it's making Sunday too miserable. I'm not enjoying the game anymore, uh, but now that I'm hopefully probably more mature, um, I'm really excited to wade back into this thing, man. And Tristan and I, Tristan, my son, uh, he's playing in the Happy Rant League with us. He's really excited. Uh, I'm a little bit jealous of his team name. So my son's pretty clever. He's a sophomore yeah, no, in high school. No kidding. That uh, that team name is special. Yeah, he's a sophomore in high school, and he's a Lions fan, and you know, we were sitting in my office last night. We were running down like potential names and players, and uh, the name he came up with is theoretically speaking, like theoretically speaking, but based on the name of Theo Riddick, who's like the Lions' third down back, uh, which I was just floored by. I texted it to like twenty-five people. I don't think I've ever been prouder of my son. Like when he got baptized, you know, that's that's up there. That's probably number one. But but but, but, a close but coming second. up with a play on Theo Riddick. Is, uh, exactly. is like yeah. yeah one B to to baptism for sure. That's pretty huge, man. Theoretically speaking, is uh, that that's good work by him. So Tristan, if you're listening, tip of the cap to you on that. But my uh, my fantasy team name uh, coming out of retirement, I started fresh. So a little background, um, I probably started playing fantasy, man, not not 20 years ago, but it's it's probably closer to 20 years ago than than you know recent. Um, I was my team was always the Rusty Hilgers because there was a, a journeyman quarterback in the league named Rusty Hilger who had like a great mullet, 
Um, he wasn't very good. He had a funny name and it sounded kind of like adjectival. Um, so every year my name was a Rusty Hilgers and I never had to put any thought into it. But it sounds like a great bar name too. Dude, right. Yeah. The Rusty, yeah. Hang out at the Rusty Hilger. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, nickel draft night or whatever. <laughs> the Rusty Hilger. Um, a lot of guys, yeah. a lot of guys with mustaches drinking bad beer. A lot of guys with mustaches, bad beer, probably some bad live music down at down at the Rusty Hilger. Um, you could probably get in a fight there pretty easily if you if you wanted to if you're that kind of guy at a bar. But would probably uh, also be best friends with the guy you fought with within about 15 minutes too, because it doesn't seem like yeah. the kind of place where people are trying to beat each other to death as much as you know the boys just got a little carried away. Yeah, you just want to have a fight for like the fun of having a fight, right? And then before you leave, like he'll throw his arm around you like sloppily and say how much he loves you. You know, and then you'll and then you'll, and you'll like all sing, roll out the barrel, and go home. Absolutely. So that's the deal with the Rusty Hilgers. Uh, but then my kid comes up with this clever name last night, and I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta level up. This is a fresh start. I'm coming out of retirement. Um, so I came up with Slippery when Alouette, uh, which is a play on my my love of all things Canadian football and the Montreal Alouettes and Johnny Manziel, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, so slippery when Alouette is my new name. My, my little avatar is a, a picture of my, uh, Johnny Manziel in an Alouette's Jersey. And, uh, I'm excited. I, about I, it. I, I was suitably impressed by that team name as well and have been. Yeah. So can we take a minute and workshop my team name, please? Yeah, of course, um, dude. So yeah, this is your I, podcast. I too, I too took a, I only took a year off. I didn't take 10 yeah. years off. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm more took the, uh, Call it the Michael Jordan retirement, where there was, yeah. you know, it was kind of burned out. It had a good run, maybe not quite three P championship run as former uh, opponents will be sure to tell you. But I, I won some championships <laughs> here and there. Yeah, Played yeah. For a long time, and so this year I'm refreshed. I'm back. We're doing the sports podcast, so there's a different level of investment, and yep. and uh, have some listeners who we can participate with. But I have not found my legs on team names. Uh huh. Um, it's just not there for me. So here's what I want to do. My yeah. I picked a I picked a team logo first, and it can't change. Got you. And okay. it is the logo of Randy Moss fake mooning the Lambeau <laughs> Field crowd because that was one of my proudest moments as a Minnesota sports fan. So he yeah, scores a yeah. touchdown, turns around, fake moons the fans because apparently drunk Green Bay fans like to moon the opponent's team's bus when they're coming in and and going out from games. You know, oh, and nice. then Joe Buck Classic. lost his mind. You know, oh, it's classless. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's unforgivable. You know, in true trying to win an SB fashion. Dude, so, yeah, Joe Buck is one of the. He's one of the great like taking sports too seriously guys. You know what I mean? And like that's your persona. He's like, which is uh, like, funny because like when you hear Costas interviews with him, you're like, he seems like he. He could seems be, pretty cool. He'd be kind yeah. of fun to hang out with, but then exactly. on the air, you're like, you're a blowhard. Yeah. Um, so. That's my logo. I'm trying yep. to workshop Moss and Moon and something into a name. And I just have a placeholder name right now. It's not even a real name. It's just it's just those two words, basically. But that's completely unsatisfactory. So Dude, I've, I've got one for you. All right. Dude. Help me out. You know, we don't have to, you know, feel, feel no particular, like, obligation to even like any of these. But uh, this one is an homage to both. Randy Moss, the mooning situation, and uh, a movie called Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. <laughs> oh, and, are you going to get the name Randy in it somehow? Yeah. My, yes. my, I was my working on some of these is, last night, too. Yeah, my suggestion is just feeling Randy, question mark. 
Like, because remember the, the the situation in which Austin Powers is like, "Are, are you feeling hot? Are you feeling yes. Randy?" Um, and Randy to me is like a great sort of British '90s you know way of saying horny. And uh, I, I don't know. I just like it. Feeling Randy. It's really simple. You get you get some interesting punctuation in there, so you uh-huh. get a question mark in the team name, which I like. Um, I don't know. Thoughts? Respond. I I was workshopping some some opportunities with the word Randy as well. Because here's the great thing about the word Randy is that since it's a Britishism, it may be, I don't know, it's probably super offensive to somebody in England. So to our seven English listeners who care about fantasy football, uh, our sincerest apologies for continuing to say it. Um, but in America, it's, yeah, it, it is Austin Powers humor at worst. And yeah, yeah. so, so yeah, that that's good. Um, I feel like it, I feel like it it does draw in some of that that taunting sentiment, which is very it important does. to me, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. towards Green Bay fans. Um, yeah. I, I I it's the best it's the best on the table right now for sure. I'm not a hundred percent sold on it. Okay, yeah, no, I know, man, and and you know what? this can be a living document. It can yeah. kind of be a dialogue. Um, I really just time. need my team. I need my team name finalized before week one. But you know, yeah. up until then, it, it's yes, it's it's a it's a we're going to workshop this thing. It's a living document. There's going to be some collaboration. I'm probably going to draw in a couple other people I respect uh, yep. who who are good at these kinds of things, and we'll yeah. see what we come up with. Maybe throw it in front of Tristan because he seems to yeah. be uh, just a preternaturally talented namer <laughs> of teams. He's one for one right now, man. So I'll uh, I'll run it by him. I'll, Can't I'll drop that him a little, percentage. Yeah, I'll shoot him a little text today at school. It'll give All him right. something to think about besides like learning Latin. So uh, I'm sure yeah, he we, would appreciate the break in the middle of Latin class. If he can think about Randy Moss mooning somebody in mid Latin class, everybody wins. Absolutely. So yeah, the fantasy naming thing is interesting because like you have to be you have to be delighted with it. You know what I mean? Like we we hit that sweet spot last night, Tristan and me, where. Like my my wife was rolling her eyes at both of us because we're both like running to the computer to like, you know, input our, our perfect fantasy name. And we were delighted. There was a real sense of accomplishment. There was a and sense a real of father son uh, bonding moment as well. I mean, that's that's a that's a special thing to, to come up with the perfect uh, the perfect pun play on play on players name fantasy Absolutely. name like that's that's a strong moment. Absolutely. It's Rockwellian, you know, Norman Rockwell with penis, yes. like both hunched over our computers, you know, with wry smiles on our faces. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So we're looking forward to this league, man. We draft on Sunday. It's an auction draft. I've never done one of those. So uh, I'm probably going to butcher it horribly as will my son. But we're going to we're going to have a lot of fun, man, and, and commit to this and uh, and enjoy it together. So that being said, let's stay on fantasy for a second. Piper, do you have. And this is sort of a, a multi-part question. Do you have any players that you just absolutely won't draft? Like, even if they're good, um, you have reasons. You have personal reasons for, like, not drafting a certain player. Is there anybody like that on your list, like a do-not-draft list? Um, most of the players who I stay away from are guys who I just I just don't trust them. So it's yeah. – there have been times in the past where I'm like, I will never draft. You know, this is going back a few years. I will never draft sure. Brett Favre. Brett Favre was never on a fantasy team of mine, sure. and just, just absolutely not. Could I kind of feel that way about Ben Roethlisberger as well? Yeah, that's largely for football reasons. I just feel like, 
anybody who talks about retirement every offseason might not <laughs> fight through injuries the way that we need him to. He That's does true. tend to miss some games. Uh-huh. Yeah. So no, I get it. He's one of those guys. Um, and I tend to stay away from all old running backs. Yeah. That's Even though I, I love them in real football, like yeah. Marshawn Lynch, uh, is is I I hope he plays forever. Absolutely, uh, won't touch him in fantasy, and I don't care what round it is. It could be the last round. I don't want a thirty three year old running back playing for John Gruden. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. Dude, and speaking of old running backs, man, we have an Adrian Peterson sighting. We Adrian do. Peterson is back on the radar. Uh, he is signed with the Washington Redskins, and I, I have a. I have a deep dive Adrian Peterson thing for you, Pipe, that I want to that I want to lay on you. This this may not matter to you at all, but um, part of my football obsession has to do with helmets, like the helmets themselves. Mm-hmm. And the NFL, starting this year, has banned the the model of helmet that Adrian Peterson has worn his entire career. He wore it in college. He wore it every year in the pros. It's also the same helmet Tom Brady and Drew Brees wore. It's a Riddell VSR four. And basically, that helmet design has been around for decades. It's probably like um, what I wore in high school. Dude, it's probably like what you wore in high school, and the NFL like shut it down. So Adrian Peterson, it's going to look weird with him wearing one of these new sort of alien-esque ugly helmets that everybody's wearing now. It won't look uh, nearly as weird as seeing him in you know maroon and gold. That's a Dude, yeah, I watched awful. some I, – yeah, I watched some of those practice clips, and I'm just like – this is a weird sort of Emmett Smith with the Arizona Cardinals moment at the end of Adrian Peterson's career. What's funny is I thought Adrian Peterson with the Arizona Cardinals was going to be the end of Adrian Peterson's career, but I think Adrian he, Peterson probably thought that he, too. Uh, oh no, yeah. he's he's completely delusional. He still thinks he can lead the league in rushing if they would just give him the ball twenty five times a game. He's dude. I love delusional old athletes. That's one of my favorite things. So I, I hope, dude. I hope he does lead the league in rushing and. and as unlikely as that would be, the fact that it could happen in some strange universe makes me really excited that he's back. Um, I would just love to see an old guy like that. And I'd love to see the Redskins feed him the, the ball a whole bunch. I don't know. It's not going to happen, but uh, but it would be it would be really fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I, their offense is not one that he's – it's going to be – it's just not going to work. Because yeah. they they don't run an offense that's line up in an I formation or a, you know single back with two tight ends and run somebody like it's not a Dude. power running game and that's that's so, all he is at this point is a power running back he's never been a patient runner he's not a stretch runner who can you know move side to side and then yeah, one cut yeah. up field he's smash into the line of scrimmage find a crease and just explode through it if he can still explode. I think it's going to be a disaster for him, which makes me really sad because he's the second greatest Vikings offensive player ever. Dude, right. So this is the distinctly sad thing about being Adrian Peterson is that you've been in the uh, in the league. You've been around long enough to basically see football completely undergo a paradigm shift. I mean, when he was coming into the league, it was all downhill, smash mouth, you know, run behind a fullback feature back the feature back was a thing mm-hmm. you know the bell cow like 20 25 carries a game guy was a thing and now football moves laterally it's touch football on the quarterbacks um you know the the new helmet to helmet stuff is is a mess and like the game we, you talk about the game passing people by as like a a throwaway <laughs> cliche for an old athlete but like the game has really changed considerably since 
that guy came into the league, you know, and, and it almost has passed him by as a function of like schemes and philosophies changing, which is too bad. When it, it bothers me a lot. Well, I mean, we've talked about how there's sort of an ageism thing in the league, you know, once a, yeah, older players don't get the same respect. Now running back, there's a, there's usually physical reasons for that. Like they just can't yeah. do it anymore. But in other sports, guys change their game over time to adapt. It doesn't seem like guys do that as much in football, except maybe wide receivers. Yeah. You know, like Larry Fitzgerald used to be one of the best big play wide receivers. Now he's one of the best possession receivers. And as far as I can tell, he can do this for another four years if he wants to. Yeah. Um, Even though he's he's just slower than everybody. Anquan Bolden, same thing. Dude, running, you know running backs don't do that. Like, why can't Peterson just go spend an offseason learning how to run an angle route and a circle route and catch the dang ball? Yeah, dude, right. And, and it's this weird pride thing of like, I've always been the alpha and I've always been the, you know, the bell cow back. That's what I do. You, you know who did it at the quarterback position? And it's a it's a short list. But Steve Young. Um, when Steve Young came out of BYU, he was very athletic, you know, very fast, great runner, ran a lot. Oh yeah. I remember. I mean, he, he, he beat the Vikings in early oh, in his that career. Run. It was like a 45 or 48 yard touchdown run where he just left guys grasping air. Dude, one of the best runs in NFL history. You know, there was power in that run. There was elusiveness, but by the end of his career, he was more of a pocket passer, you know, by, you know, by nature of just having aged and his body changed. And, and a really good know. one in terms of efficiency. He's one of the all-time oh, yeah. greats. Or at least, at least to that era before the game changed to a total passing league. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a little bit of precedent. I think the other precedent at that position, and this is one that you'll like, Randall Cunningham. Um, again, early in the career, very much a runaround guy. But by the time you had him with the Vikings – um, he was a pocket passer, you know, he was, he was not leaving the pocket much, um, as a Minnesota Viking. So uh, interesting kind of career Renaissance there for a couple of, uh, a couple of older quarterbacks. Is it, is it just not possible to do that as a running back because athleticism is the position Like you can't be an unathletic running back and have a career. And so yeah, if, tell you. if you lose a step, you lose a career. The Redskins actually have kind of a rich tradition of, getting a lot out of old running backs. And there are several that come to mind. The first and most significant, I think, is the diesel, John Riggins. Mm -hmm. So John Riggins, he kind of had two careers. So he was a great NFL flake of all time, too, by the way. Um, (laughs) His his early career was with the New York Jets in the early 70s. He was this, like, unicorn freak show of a huge, white, fast running back who was a track guy at Kansas – And he was a great running back in college at Kansas. Um, The Jets got him. He had a few good seasons with the Jets. He kind of did what we did in fantasy, and he stepped. He actually stepped away. Like I think he was out of the league for a couple years, and then he came back with the Redskins and had this huge, like, late career run of. I'm going to get the years wrong, but probably five or six really productive feature back years with the Redskins, in which he was every bit of late 30s by the end, and he was still really effective. More recently, the Redskins kind of resurrected Ernest Biner um, after his run with the Browns. They resurrected Gerald Riggs, uh, who was very effective as an Atlanta Falcon. These are all really physical backs, too. And, you know, they got a little older and the Redskins used them. And the, the Redskins had great offensive lines through all those eras. Yeah, I mean, it's even that, though. I can think about it and I'm like, that's that's a little bit like a power forward in the NBA. Like, you know, sure. the, a, a guy who 
who can only score within five feet of the basket. He's kind of slow in plotting, but grabs a lot of rebounds. You know, yeah. seven, eight years ago, that guy had a lot of value. Fifteen years ago, he was a star. Twenty years sure. ago, he was a star. Mm-hmm. Now he's useless. Yeah. That's the power back in the NFL because every every player needs to be able to do multiple things. Like you need to be able to either run the ball or pass the ball out of any set on any down. So there's no such thing as really a third down back and a fir- you know early yeah. down back yeah. in an effective offense. And so those guys who could have formally extended their careers by going from three down back feature back to short yardage back or power back, nobody Dude, uses and, and, power backs anymore. And that's essentially changed the linebacker position as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, all your inside linebackers in the league are basically strong safeties now. Yeah, um, I mean, they're Eric, all just Eric Kendrick, so the Vikings just re-signed as, you know, 6'2 and 230 pounds, and which Dude, for a yeah. linebacker is would normally be considered undersized, but that's pretty standard now because he needs to be sideline to sideline and be able to cover guys. Dude, yeah, in 1996, you were 260 as a linebacker. Yeah, you know, like now Levon, you're 225. Levon Kirkland was the was oh, know, dude, yeah, and he was big, but like, dude, he but, wasn't he, but his, that big. he had one job. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you were Levon Kirkland, your purview was tackle to tackle, and you were just going downhill at fullbacks all day long. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and for me, just aesthetically, that's the I mean, that's the kind of football I prefer to watch. But OK, so I know I, t- I talk about this like every episode and I'm not going to spend much time on it. But to me, this is what makes Jacksonville fascinating because Doug Marone is trying to do power back, fullback, old school football in a in a touch football like league now. And um, I really want it to work for obvious reasons. Um, I will probably overdraft Leonard Fournette uh, on Sunday just because I like him. My So back to that, my philosophy pipe, only players that I like. Um, if I don't like the player, if I don't like the team, like I'm not going near them even if they're good because there's a there's a pleasure element in this where I go, you know, just numbers game-wise, yeah. odds-wise, I'm probably not going to win my league. So I have to enjoy watching the guys that I have on my team. Yeah, and if like, you're sitting a, down on a, a Sunday and and you have to, you know, you have to tune into it. I don't know whatever game, and it's a player you just can't see. That's the reason I won't draft Big Ben because, like, I don't want to root for for Ben Roethlisberger to do well. I just don't like him. I don't like him. Honestly, I won't draft Leonard Fournette because I think his. I think he's going to be a bust. We discussed that in the previous one. I think he's, I I think, I don't think he's going to have a bad, bad year in terms of like 400 yards and two touchdowns. I just think he'll average like 3.8 yards a carry and score a few touchdowns and just kind of be near. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, man. I know it. I know it. Yeah. He could be like, um, I, yeah, he could have a Charkandrick West type season. You know, he could have like a um, who was your backup in Minnesota? The the big dude that, that went to the Raiders and did nothing. Um, running cats. back? Yeah, running back. Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray. Oh, he, no, he came from the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, he came from the Raiders. Right, right. I got that wrong, but yeah, he could have a Latavius Murray type season. And Latavius and, uh, Murray is that? is the right is a good guy to get you know eight carries a game to yep. spell your starter. He, yeah. he can do a few things, you know, a decent pass blocker, et cetera. But yeah, like I just Fournette is yeah a monster athlete in the wrong offense. Fournette or, could be Alfred Blue. Yeah, you know, he could have an Alfred Blue type season, and yeah. uh, that's scary. But I'm still going to overdraft him. Um, I also I also don't tend to draft guys who are you know 
the running backs who are being handed the starting job for the first time. You know, think like yeah. Jarek McKinnon with the 49ers. Yeah. yeah. I watched Jarek McKinnon with the McKinnon with the Vikings for several years, and he can do a lot of good things on the football field. I think if he's creatively used, he'll be sure. Um, he'll be productive. Yeah, he's not a game changer. He's yeah. not. He's just not. I'm with you. And so, yep. and so, yep. the fact that in a lot of drafts he's like a top three round guy, I'm like that's purely yeah. that's purely because of workload. And I just it's workload and it's Niners Kool Aid, man. There's yeah. a lot of 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 excitement around that team. Uh, for good reason, but yeah, there's I think if you there's got, some. If you got 1,200 total yards and six to seven touchdowns out of him this year, I would be like, that's his ceiling in my mind. Uh, I agree. I I think that's totally the ceiling for sure. Piper, let's uh, let's transition out of fantasy because we've got a couple of great listener suggested topics that I want to address. Maybe just one of them uh, on the program, but we have to do our Manziel minute. So um, one of the core values of the program is talking about the CFL. Um, and talking about our favorite CFL quarterback, Johnny Manziel. Now, I reached out, Piper, to the Comeback Season Corporation, which is Manziel's company. Mm -hmm. Um, I was hoping they would sponsor some podcast episodes and throw us some Comeback Season swag. A little update, I've not heard from them. Um, they've been, they've been radio silent. So maybe because their CEO is, uh, is busy playing Canadian football, but, um, the Manziel minute this week, the update is Johnny Manziel got super violently concussed a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was his second start. It was a game that he actually played really well in. Um, it was a game that Montreal almost won. Uh, he sustained a concussion running a ball in from like, he was, he was scrambling and, and he ran to the goal line and got lit up and, uh, they left him in the game. So whoever's doing concussion protocol for the Alouettes, um, you know, probably needs to brush up on their uh, on the on the books again just, but uh, so without being super familiar with the CFL yeah. and just sort of the CFL culture is you yeah. know in the NFL the phrase concussion protocol is almost a joke at this point cuz it gets said 87 times in every broadcast yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know it's the theme of every article sure does the CFL care the same way dude so see that's yet another reason why I love the CFL let's add it to the list like i feel like concussion protocol is not every storyline, you know, and helmet to helmet concussion protocol. Like these are not, you know, the, the, the form and the focus of every telecast. So the, the way the play went down, Manziel was scrambling. Uh, he runs the goal line. He kind of gets held up and then like finished off by another dude. And it was definitely a violent looking hit, but not sort of beyond the pale for pro football. And he came, you know, he went to the sideline because the, the drive was over um, and then the next drive, he was out there and then, you know, come to find out a day or two later, it's, oh, he's got a concussion. He's in concussion protocol, blah, blah, blah. But there wasn't a lot of dialogue about it on the telecast itself. Um, so the update is he didn't play last week and, you know, it's unclear as to whether he's going to start tomorrow night, but it's looking like he's not going to start again. So Manziel is on the shelf. They're playing Toronto. Uh, so this is an interesting matchup to me. Toronto is, uh, a team that won the Grey Cup last year, so they went they went to the Grey Cup, had a great run. Uh, James Wilder Jr. is there. Ricky Ray was their quarterback. He was um, he was knocked out for the season, I think, in Week One. So they've got quarterback issues. Um, James Franklin was supposed to be their starter. He comes out of Missouri. And Piper, let, let me lay an irrational thing on you. I have a very irrational anti-Missouri bias, um, in which, like, if it, if it's college football day or night and Missouri's on, I just don't watch the game. I just can't watch the game. 
Like, I think their uniform's ugly. I think their offensive scheme is ugly. I never like any players that come mm-hmm. out of there, and it's totally irrational. Like, I have no reason for it other than just personal preference. So, Who's James the Franklin, last great player that Missouri put into the NFL? I mean, they've, they've had some high draft picks, but how many of them have turned into anything good? They have. That's the thing, and it's it's fascinating. So, I don't know, Sean... Sean Weatherspoon was a linebacker for Atlanta for a while. I don't even know if he's still in the league. Um, I mean, Shane Ray went to the Broncos. Shane recently. Ray went to the Broncos. Blaine Alden Gabbert Smith was a Missouri guy. Was wait, Alden Smith yeah. was from there? Yeah, he was a Missouri guy. But it, um, it, is he in jail now? I think he's. In, I don't know where he is. I think. Yeah, he, I, I mean, he was on Oakland most recently. Yeah, soon to be I, Vegas, whatever they're called now, the Raiders. Dude, Vegas and Alden Smith will that'll be a good marriage. You know, he'll really clean his life up in Vegas. I I, that'll I feel go, really it'll good go about splendidly. That. Oh, absolutely. That's just a good town to to clean up your act in, you know? Yeah, it's I mean, it, it's funny. I heard some people the other day who was listening to another sports podcast and they were talking about, you know, some of the same concerns about moving an NFL team to Vegas and they were like, Well, it worked yeah. so well with the with the NHL. I'm like, you know what? There's a there's a cultural, Dude, hockey players are different. Yeah, there's a cultural difference and before anybody reads into this and thinks this is coded language, it's not racial. It's that hockey players are weirdos. Like, yeah. They would be more at risk if you put them near a ski resort because they would like try to ride the skis on their hands or something. Like they're just <laughs> there's a different kind of insanity with hockey players. Yeah. And and like the Vegas Strip is not gonna be that problem. That yeah yeah. I think yeah. hockey players are whatever their vice is, they can kind of find that anywhere. Um, and the, and the vices are more simple, but, uh, but yeah, Vegas are the types who create vices out of situations. They're like, well, right. we've, we've got these items. They're like the MacGyver of vice. Dude, whereas, they are. whereas like they are. every other league, literally yeah. every other league is traditional vice. They're like gambling, it's traditional drugs, vices. women, alcohol. Yes, we're in. Yeah. And Vegas has all those things. It just seems like a disaster. You know, it's such a, it's such a disaster waiting to happen. But, uh, but yeah, Missouri players, Alden Smith is probably the the biggest and most successful one that I'm thinking of at this point, although I'm sure our listeners will have input. There's probably like a really obvious guy that we've missed, but Chase think, Daniels. I think they the, might, yeah, I think they might have put in a couple decent linemen and things like that, but nobody yeah, nobody yeah. who just stands out as like, man, that's the, that's the guy from Missouri. You know what I mean, though? It's just like it's a college team that I can't watch. Like I just don't like anything about it. Uniform, scheme. Do you have any teams like that that you're just like, ah, it's Missouri, Judas, you know? Um, college team-wise, I feel that way about Florida State. Interesting. I hate Florida State. That's fascinating. Just, I, I, I think because they're, you know, I, here's the thing. I liked watching Florida State in like the Warwick Dunn, Peter Warwick mm-hmm. years. Those were fun teams. You know, back oh, when they, everybody yeah. had the crop top jersey. Work done had a yep. little, like, back guard flapping when he ran away from he everybody. He was one of the first guys that had that. Yeah, yeah, everybody has it now. They're just boring. Yeah. And and it bothers me when the perception of a team and the quality of a team are so different. And, yes, I realize yeah. they did really well with Jameis Winston as quarterback, but that's another problem because yeah. Jameis Winston is a bad dude. and. Yeah. And and like that just sort of got glossed over repeatedly. Yeah. And now yeah. he's got a three game suspension for something that probably deserves significantly more than that because it involves groping somebody against that person's will. And and Dude, so, is Jameis Winston done? He's finished, isn't he? Like I, I see no future there. 
for him. He's going to come back and be their starter, and if he leads them, so he's going to miss three games. And so if he comes back yeah. and plays the last thirteen, and they go say eight and five in those games, is it? I get yeah. those numbers right? I'm not real good yeah. with math. I, I mean, somebody could take a flyer on him, but at the same time, yeah, it's he's Dude, if, his big problem is that there are so many other adequate quarterbacks, and he hasn't set himself yeah. apart as elite. You know, if somebody who was Drew Brees level good was as bad of a dude as Winston, they have a future because they're that good. He's he's maybe middle of the pack. But at this point, with so many young quarterbacks coming up, he's probably bottom third of the league. Dude, why hasn't Tampa traded a second round pick to to the Jets for Teddy Bridgewater? Why hasn't why Jackson why hasn't Jacksonville? Why hasn't Miami? Why, why hasn't, hasn't any like team anybody? in Florida? Yeah, the whole state of Florida should be try, they should be like Knocking themselves over to trade for Teddy Bridgewater. It's crazy. Now, Piper, real question vis-a-vis Teddy Bridgewater and your emotions. Is there any part of you that longs for Teddy Bridgewater still being in Minnesota, given how well he's played this preseason? Yes, and I, given wanted, how I wanted them to re-sign him to a reasonable contract. You know, yeah. so like a, a three-year, $30 million deal or something like that. Yeah. And, and then sign a, a McCown type of backup. Or the yeah. Trevor Simeon move that they made, like just a, a, a yep. good, capable yep. backup. Because I love Teddy Bridgewater. I always thought yeah. that he had the potential to be a a really successful think yeah. like think like Alex Smith, but but like Alex Smith last year. Not Alex yeah. Smith yeah, when yeah, all yeah. he did was throw four yards down the field. So really smart, good leader, respected by everybody, doesn't make any mistakes, can make a lot of plays, but not all the plays. Which yep. is what the team needed, and I mean, Cousins is. I think Cousins is probably a better quarterback than him, but I don't know that he's a quarterback who's twenty million dollars better than him. Dude, he's not. He's definitely not twenty million dollars better. And like, likability wise, he's not even close to Teddy Bridgewater. There's something just eminently likable about Bridgewater and Cousins. It's like, and here's the thing: everybody in Minnesota loved him. The only reason yeah, they let him go is because they. There were so many questions about the future of his knee. I mean, his doctor came out in the last couple of weeks and said, I'm stunned at how well he's doing. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I didn't know he was going to be able to recover like this, which is two things. One, frustrating because I wish they would have known. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also spectacular because I'm so happy that Teddy Bridgewater is making – he's, he's going to get a chance to play for somebody in the next year or two. And he's going to show yep. himself to be, you know, Jared Goff-level good. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And, uh, and, and yeah, very likable guy. Um, obviously, if Kirk Cousins takes you guys to the Super Bowl, this, this conversation will all be forgotten. But, I mean, if you go 10-6, and 9-7 and seven, with kind of a, a, a dorky, less likable quarterback, I don't know. It's going to be a weird moment. You know, it's going to be a really weird moment, especially if Teddy goes somewhere and has even, like, a modicum of success as a starter. Like, I think if he goes to Tampa Bay and they go 8-8 eight and eight, – they're like throwing a parade for Teddy Bridgewater in Tampa just because that team is, is supposed to be so bad and they are so bad. Um, but, but if you put him on it and he kind of resurrects the season, then that becomes a really interesting narrative. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there are a lot of teams who could use him right now, either, either yeah. as a high-end backup because they're starters. Honestly, the team that should trade for him, and they're, they're probably smart enough to do it. The Rams. Uh, I was going to say the Saints. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're looking at two teams with, like, nothing behind the starter. Well, and there's was, a lot of teams. I, well, and the other thing is the Saints have a 39-year-old quarterback who 
you know, he'll play this year. He might play another year, but it's iffy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he could be their Jimmy Bridgewater could be their Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense of a young, somewhat untested shown flashes, which means they either trade him for a load. Yeah. Or he replaces breeze and the offense just keeps clicking. Exactly. No, that's, that's a wise move for sure. And yeah, there are a lot of teams with a good starter, but, but no depth, you know? So if you are the Rams or the saints, I mean, both those teams consider themselves to be super bowl contenders, I Mm -hmm. think this year. Um, yeah. How can you be, how can you feel comfortable if you're the Rams giving the keys to Sean Mannion, if Jared Goff goes down? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange quarterback economy that we're in where, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater is, is, where he is for for much longer um it's 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 like the value in trade has never caught up with the value of player and so everybody will say you know it's it's just obviously true that the quarterback is the key to a team you can't you can't be great in a sustainable way without good quarterback play the best leap a team can make is from horrible quarterback play to average quarterback play yep and Teddy Bridgewater is either average or above average and has the potential to be great, and nobody will offer a, a, something that will move the Jets to make the trade. I don't Dude, get it. Dude, and, and this is another thing that I, that I rant about frequently on this program, but I think there's, there's draft pick bias in the league. So people look at a draft pick and they go, oh, man, it's a second rounder. That's steep. But you look at the, at the history of second rounders, drafted in even the last decade and only about a third of them pan out um so if i'm if i'm tampa or miami or jacksonville i'm looking at a second rounder is i do that all day long for teddy bridgewater a a guy at the most important situation the most important position on the field who's proven that he can play and be successful in the league like i'm doing that all day long because it's just a second rounder you know what i mean it's probably a pick that you're going to waste on a guy who's going to play a season and a half and then be out of the league, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't and know. You why can tell that. that bias is there because a second round pick has this massive value. The player picked in the second round immediately doesn't have value. Dude. Right. It's like driving a new car off the lot. Yeah. You know, like you draft a player in the second rounds and then you try to flip that player for, you know, for something else and he has no value. Uh, but the pick itself, it's like, oh man, second round draft pick. That's a, that's a big deal. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, when when the Cowboys took Zeke Elliott, there, I think it was with the number four pick, and like the number four pick yeah. has this just almost inestimable value. Yeah. Nobody would trade the same. Like if there were teams that were like, we'll give you this year's first, a second rounder, and next year's first for the number four pick, which is an offer that some team would would make if they want to move up. Yeah. Nobody would make that offer for Zeke Elliott. They, the, the, exactly. Cowboys, the Cowboys might be able to get a late first, probably more like a second and a future third or something like that for right. him. Right. Even though he's... Even though he's good. He's you good, know? and he was the number four pick. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's really crazy, man. It's it's really, really crazy that, um, that nobody's pulled the trigger on something like that yet. But, Pipe, I've got like six minutes left, and I want to address one of these uh, super insightful listener questions. And the question is, the first one, how we became fans of our respective favorite teams, and then when and how should people switch fandom? Um, so I'll, I'll get us started. My, my parents are both from Chicago, and I happen to grow up 
uh, in the 80s. My childhood was basically in the 80s, like when things mattered to me sports-wise. And my team then was the Chicago Bears because of where my parents were from. And, um, you know, we had that great run in 1985. Walter Payton played for the Bears, my all-time favorite player. Uh, Jim McMahon, who I loved. So the Bears just had a lot of guys who I loved at a time when I cared about sports. This was pre-free agency, so it meant that, like, you know, I, I wasn't going to have to see Walter Payton in a new uniform every three years, which I couldn't have dealt with. Um, so that's that's kind of how that happens. College-wise, um, I actually did an open recruitment on my blog about a decade ago because I didn't have a college team that I cared about. Uh, I grew up in Indiana. I wasn't Catholic, so it wasn't a Notre Dame thing for me. Um, went to a small college to play, so I didn't have quick, like... Quick question. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know anybody who's a Notre Dame fan except for Irish Catholics um, mm. and you know just a few of those. Yeah, I know historically they've sort of owned a certain segment of the population. Is that really yeah. all just based, based on being white and Catholic? Dude, yeah, I think okay. it is, Pipe. I, I really think it is. So I think if you're white and Catholic... Even if you live in like Phoenix, you're a Notre Dame fan. You know what I mean? Or you're white and Catholic and you live in Billings, Montana. You're a you're a Notre Dame fan. So they do they do have that. Uh, but I, I never felt a real association with Notre Dame or any other Indiana school. So um, I ended up becoming a Syracuse fan like a decade ago based on this open recruitment. People sent me swag and, and things, inducements. Similar to what we did with the uh, with the Mariners in in Major League Baseball, yeah, and, and similar to how college teams recruit players, they basically exactly. give them really nice things and say, "Come play for us." Dude, that's it. So I've been I've been all in on Syracuse ever since, and I have to say, it's been a really fun team to cheer for. Um, there were some aesthetic reasons, there were some intellectual reasons. Like they have a really great journalism school, so um, they have great journalism, great creative writing. So I like that about Syracuse. They play in a really awesome retro dome. So they they play in one of those air inflated like the like the Metrodome or the Hoosier Dome. Um, they play in one of those, which I think is really cool. Um, Doug Marone was there for a while. I'm a big Doug Marone fan, just uh, philosophically. So they that's been a fun team to be with, even though they haven't they haven't done great. But um, what about you, Piper? How'd you become a fan of your respective team? So I am, uh, as Pat Conroy puts it, a victim of my geography. <laughs> Uh huh. Um, I grew up in downtown Minneapolis. Um, you could hear the cheers from the Metrodome from my front yard on, you know, spectacularly loud games. So, like the nineteen ninety one World Series when the Twins won. Um, yeah, you could hear that from from my front yard, even though it was an enclosed <laughs> stadium. So it was. It, I just grew up in in the zone of yep. of that, and. Nobody else in my family is a diehard sports fan. I, one of my older brothers loves the Twins, so okay. he had you know he was there was a level of influence. I remember so 1987 when the Twins won the World Series. I was four years old, um, so I don't remember it well. Yeah, but I remember him losing his mind when Kent <laughs> Herbeck hit a grand slam. Yeah, so the those things are influential on me. Uh, and and so it's it is entirely geography based for me from from you know the first 18 years of my life which is when sports fandom is is formed like it's not just that you're choosing a team it's that it's sort of being woven into who you are yeah. so that's that's it for me and so and which also means that I don't really care that much about two things one is professional hockey 
because the uh, the North Stars, who were a very good professional hockey team, left Minnesota when I was about 10 years old. And that means that uh, during my, my formative middle school and high school years, we didn't have a hockey team, and then we had an expansion hockey team, so it's just a blank space for me, and I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. The second thing I don't really care about is college sports because yep. because Minnesota has been just perpetually average uh-huh. to below average at football. Yep. They were really bad when I was growing up. They've been more yeah. or less average the last several years. And then, and then in basketball, they had an epic run in 1990. It would have been the 98, I think it was the 98 Final Four. Yeah. Uh, which then was wiped away because they cheated. Um, yep. Their coach cheated. I don't think the players did anything wrong that I'm aware of. But yeah. So that, you know, that sort of smudges that out. And they haven't, they have, they've made the tournament like three times since then. So there's just not a lot going on on the college side, which means that I, I, I just don't care that much I, because it's not, again, it's not sort of woven into my fandom on that. Um, but it's also why I can't switch fandoms. I lived in Chicago for 12 years and I've lived in Nashville for about five and I could not care less about the teams from these places because yeah. I'm a Minnesota sports fan because that's what I was raised in. That's, that's yep. me. So the idea of switching sports fandom for me is like, I morally, I'm not opposed to it. Realistically, I could never do it. I can't yeah, care yeah. about the Titans. I just, yeah. The best Dude, I can do is find them interesting. Let's talk about that for a minute. I can't care about the Titans either. And th- this is going to sound terrible, but I think it has primarily to do with their uniform. Um, their their previous uniform, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this program, was one of the worst of all time. Uh-huh. But their new one, now that I've seen it two or three times in the preseason, is no better. No, it's, it's, a, it's a gong show. It's horrible to look at. It's horrible to see, like moving around on the field. I just mm-hmm. hate it. And yes. and it makes it hard for me to like the Titans, even though they have a lot of players that I like. Like Taylor Luan's one of my favorite players in the whole league. You know, Derrick Henry, I really like Derrick Henry. I really like Delaney Walker. Like they've got a bunch of players that I like. Kevin Byard is a is a player that I love to watch. Um Dory Jackson I like. I think yeah. he's got a lot of upside. Dion Lewis but, is a great pickup for him. Dion really Lewis well is year. a great but I tell you, I I have a hard time watching him. You know, that uniform is such a gong show and a monstrosity. Um, I would have a hard time. Like if I was a native Tennessean, if I was from the city of Nashville, that uniform would make it hard for me to like really care about that team. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I see grown, well, first of all, I have some thoughts about grownups wearing jerseys uh, in general, but not strong feelings, just sort of eye roll feelings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when I see adults wearing a Titans Jersey, yeah, that's next level awful to me because I'm like, well, first of all, you've stepped back in time to when you're 14 years old. Yeah. And second of all, you have picked a jersey that is the ugliest item of clothing you could wear. I mean, wear a Hawaiian uh, shirt and you look better than that mess. <laughs> seriously, man. Seriously. Yeah, the, the new one is, I mean, the Titans uniform, you know, sometimes if you look at a uniform, you're like, if they did this, it would be better. Here's yeah. what they can do to their current uniform to make it better. Change Start up everything <laughs> exactly yeah, just burn it and yeah. rebuild with a different yeah. color scheme and a different Absolutely. logo because they have a bad logo and a yep. bad color scheme and apparently bad designers too and yep. it is awful it's really bad it's like uh 
It's like a Mac level alternate uniform. And Piper, I just glanced at the clock and realized if I don't get my regalia on now and start walking to the chapel, I'm going to be like super late for this thing. So, oh um, don't can't do that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to land the plane now. Uh, my book recommendation is a book called The Extraordinary Life of a Mediocre Jock by Ted Kluck. <laughs> uh, it's a graphic novel. It's about sports um, and in Christianity. So uh, check that out. Run to Amazon and grab that if you uh, if you're so inclined. Piper, real quick book rack for you. Um, I will recommend Playing Through the Whistle, Steel Football in an American Town by S.L. Price. It looks at the history of uh, the Aliquippa, Pennsylvania area, which is where a whole bunch, like an unreasonable number of NFL players have come from. And it also has a, it's a fascinating history of the town and like the, the history of the steel industry and poverty and race and, uh, and price is a fantastic journalist and so he awesome. he does a great job so it's called playing through the whistle steel football in american town uh i loved it i love it man uh piper we've wandered to and fro uh i'm gonna be late to chapel so until next time john the diesel riggins the happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings if you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.